Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thanks for checking in with us today. We're so excited. There's so many great things happening around here. Hey, let me tell you something, okay? If you haven't downloaded the uh, Church Center app, and, and found the Bridge Church yet, you need to do it right now. Stop the video, go to your uh, your app store, download it, put in your location, search for the Bridge, they'll send you a code, click in. It's the way we are going to communicate moving forward. All these texts and text threads and all this stuff uh, kind of going to die out. So if you want to know what's going on around here, and I would highly recommend that you know what's going on around here, uh, get on that app and you'll get hit the notification so you get notified of everything that's happening happening and going on at the Bridge Church. We got a couple of small groups. Our small groups, by the way, are still happening during the fast, even though we are praying at night at 7 p.m. at our new church building. So I want to, again, encourage you every night. Last uh, two nights ago on Friday night, it was amazing. It was over the top, uh, just the Holy Ghost in that place. And um, I would highly recommend that you get on the email thread as well uh, and just send us an email to thebridgechurch at gmail.com and we'll, butcher, we'll get your email off of there and we'll make sure you get on the Under the Bridge email that's going out. You're going to want to pay attention to Easter. Right? Okay? Big doings happening. All right. It's week two of uh, the trial of Jesus. We're going to talk about um, this changes everything. As we all know, uh, when Jesus um, died on the cross, uh, it changed everything. It changed the calendar. It changed time. It stopped everything as far as Christianity uh, and, and Jewish culture goes and started over. So uh, we're going to start today in Luke 18. I want to encourage you get a Bible. Right, come to class. Right, it's get a Bible, get a um, take some good notes today, and I want to encourage you participate in the fast, even if it's one day a week or if it's uh, fasting anything. Just participate with your church family. Come to prayer and, and get involved because things are ramping up, and, and if you're on the outside, you're missing it. Right? Okay, Luke eighteen. Uh, I want to talk to you today about uh, Jesus. And his trial, right? His trial before Caiaphas and his trial before Pontius Pilate because certain things were said uh, that were very critical to um, making sure everybody was included in redemption from the cross, all right? So Luke 18, we're going to start in uh, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking to his 12, and he's telling them, that uh, he is going to die. Now, he's done this twice. He's going to Jerusalem to die. He's done this twice in chapter 9. And here he is uh, in chapter 18. 
at verse 31, and he's telling them again. So listen to Jesus' words. He says, he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Now, depending who you talk to, there's like 300 to 600 prophecies in the Old Testament uh, concerning the Messiah, the Son of Man, the Son of God. Okay, multitude of them of them have already been fulfilled, and uh, and and he goes on here and he's telling his disciples that we must. Uh, concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. That word accomplished literally in the Greek fulfilled. Okay. Verse 32, for he will be delivered to the Gentiles, will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. That insultant, that insulted in the Greek is hubrizo. All right. It's to, to insult, to treat arrogantly, listen, arrogantly, insolently, sarcastically, and injuriously to commit outrage against. Okay, so this is pretty serious what he's talking about. And he's telling his, his 12 that what's going to happen. And uh, literally, they're, they're not paying attention. And he says in verse 33, this is the, um, what he's talking about is going to happen. He says, they will scourge him and kill him. And on the third day, on the third day, he will rise again. And it always reminds me of on the beach after he was risen, he berated the disciples for their unbelief. And he clearly tells them three, time in the, three times in this gospel that he will die and be raised again on the third day. Okay. And then, of course, verse 34, but they understood none of these things, saying it was hidden from them. And they did not know what things were spoken. So let's, uh, let's talk about the four things surrounding the cross today. Uh, we talked last week. If you haven't watched last week's um, installment, week one, about the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, I would encourage you to go watch it uh, before you watch this one. Okay. And, and Jesus said some really, really interesting things there. He said, I will lay my life down and I will take it up again. It was his choice. Right. And that was the biggest struggle in the garden. It was his choice. He could have backed out of it at any point. And, 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 you know, his suffering was a big deal because he was dealing with his own will in the garden. He knows what's coming. And yet he's like, I lay my life down. I have the ability to pick it up. I can back out of this deal at any time. Right. So uh, then the trial of Jesus, there were specific things that were said during the trial by Caiaphas, by Pilate, that included redemption and salvation for everyone. We're going to talk about that today. Then next week on Palm Sunday, we're going to talk about Jesus on the cross. Specific things happen on the cross. Very interesting words were said there uh, at the cross. That's Palm Sunday, right? Jesus makes his triumphant entry. Too bad that was like Thursday. But uh, they call it Palm Sunday. Then Resurrection Day, April 4th. Like I said earlier, you want to know what's going on around here because big doings happening that day. Um, get on the Church Center app. Get on the email all right, because we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ on April 4th. Okay, so today the trial. Over in John 11, there's specific things said that Jesus is uh, talking about. And um, in verse 45, John 11, verse 45, this is clear. Listen carefully to what the high priest is saying and what's happening in the Gospels. Okay, Bridge Church, we read the Bible carefully. We pull out the gems of the truth, right? So then many of the Jews, this is verse 45, chapter 11 of John's gospel. He says, then many of the Jews who had come to Mary, that were Jews there, uh, specifically speaking of the council 
of, of the uh, high priest and his council and the council of the Sanhedrin, who were kind of running everything in Jewish culture in these days. And he said, who had come to Mary, had seen the things Jesus did and believed in him. Now, some of the Jewish uh, council believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Nicodemus, for example, comes to Jesus at night and the same gospel, John chapter three, and he says, what must I do to be born again? They go through that whole conversation and Jesus says that, you know, you're, you're born again uh, when you believe. So Caiaphas obviously believed Jesus is who he was. And uh, there was a number of others who, who believed Jesus was the Messiah. But verse 46, of course, he says, but some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. You know, there's always a rat. Right. Verse 47, then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered to council and said, what shall we do? This is this verse kind of cracks me up. It's not funny, but it kind of cracks me up. He says, what shall we do for this one? This man works many signs, literally that word signs in the Greek miracles. Right. This is Jesus doing miracles all over the Holy Land. And these guys are like, we got to do something about this guy. Look at verse um 48, he says, if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Write this down if you're taking notes. Fear will always keep you from God. Fear will always keep you from God. Being afraid, these guys are, are fearful of Jesus and who he is. And he's, he's like, we got to do something about this dude. The Romans are going to come and they're going to take away everything from who, from what we're doing, from the way we live. To, they're going to, they're going to just destroy everything, you know? And then verse 49, one of the high priests, Caiaphas, being a high priest that year said to them, you guys don't know what you're talking about, right? And he says, nor do you consider that it is expedient listen carefully he is choosing the sacrifice for sin right here and that was the high priest's job in jewish culture was to um, choose the sacrifice to atone for sin every year here's here's the um the high priest making his choice of who's going to be the sacrifice for sin. He says, nor do you consider it expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation should not perish. One man should die for the people that every man, every, uh, that the whole nation should not perish. Now, did he not say this on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. He's selecting the sacrifice for sin. Okay. Not only for that nation only, but also that he would gather together one, the children of God that were scattered abroad. Gentiles are scattered abroad. We'll have more on that in a second because if, if Caiaphas chose the sacrifice for sin as the high priest of the Jews and it didn't um, go to Pilate and the trial, then salvation would have been for the Jews only. Okay, but we'll see that in a minute. And from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. So they're, they're already plotting to kill Jesus. And, and here he's, he's clearly saying, this is the sacrifice. We got to kill this guy or the Romans are going to make a mess of our whole life here. 
So Matthew 26, um, I think I left you there last week. We stopped in verse 46 at the trial when uh, Jesus says, Rise, my betrayer is at hand. Uh, the betrayer comes, of course, Judas uh, brings, you know, the Sanhedrin who were basically the cops and, and they arrest Jesus in the garden. There's a little, uh, you know, scrum that happens, a little pushing, a little shoving. Somebody whips out a sword, hacks off some dude's ear, right? And nobody in the, there's so much of a scrum going on and everybody's pushing and shoving and all this stuff. Nobody really realizes what's going on except for the guy who just got his ear hacked off. Jesus reaches down and heals the guy right there in front of everybody, right? And I don't think anybody even recognized except for the guy who got his ear cut off and Jesus, right? So even in the scuffle, he's still healing people right so we're gonna um we're gonna start in verse 57 but i want to back up to verse 56 because this is critical we already read it once um uh over in luke's gospel but listen to what he says but all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled and all the disciples forsook him and fled talk about a church split right everybody's gone they took off because the cop showed up right so but I want you to focus on all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets must be fulfilled. Remember, 300, 500, how many ever prophecies in the Old Testament are being fulfilled by Jesus? And they said it multiple times in the Gospels that these prophecies must be fulfilled. Okay, so here's Jesus. He's uh, at the council and he's... Um, um, coming before him they've arrested him and he said and those who had laid hold of jesus led him away to caiaphas right caiaphas said you know bring this dude we're gonna arrest him we're gonna whack him basically we gotta kill this guy he's causing all kinds of problems for us right and uh, led him away to caiaphas the high priest and the, and the scribes and the elders were assembled but peter followed at a distance to the high priest courtyard and went in and sat with the servants uh to see the end now the chief priests and elders and all the council uh, sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Now, I said last week, 38 points of Jewish law, the high priest in the Sanhedrin break uh, in the trial of Jesus. Uh, this is one already, this trial that they're having right here, because this trial happens at night. Uh, they didn't have trials. It was against the law to have a trial at night. They're basically playing by their own rules here. Go figure, right? The government playing by their own rules? Hmm. It even happened back then. Uh, he said um, against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came uh, forward, they found none. But at least two or three false witnesses came for forward. Remember, Jewish law states, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, it shall be established. So they're fulfilling that law, but they're breaking it on their own because they're lying. Okay. The, uh, and said, this is what the false witnesses said. He said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. See, they even had fake news back then because they're twisting what he said, thinking physically, Jesus is speaking spiritually, and, and they're totally missing it. Okay. And the high priest rose and said to him, do you answer nothing? Again, Isaiah 53, fulfilling prophecy. What are these men, uh, what is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent, okay? Um, and the high priest answered and said to him, uh, let me read the prophecy from Isaiah 53. Uh, this is verse 7. He says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. He was, uh, yet he uh, opened not his mouth. He was led 
as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That's the prophecy that's being filled. We're not going to look at all 38, but we are going to bounce in with a few. Okay, uh, so here it is, verse 63. Jesus kept silent, and the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. It's uh, uh, This is when <laughs> things kind of went nuts. All right, this is where bad things happen because um, he invokes the, the name of God the Father in Jesus' presence, and that uh, stirs a response from Jesus. Look what he says. And Jesus says to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Okay. That's Jesus' response after the high priest invokes the, the name of God, the father to him. And, and the high priest just loses it. He melts down, um, he says, then the high priest tore his clothes, saying he has spoken blasphemy. Remember, they're, they're trying to, to kill him for blasphemy. That's the best thing they could come up with, right? What further need do we have of witnesses? Look how I've heard his blasphemy. Why was the high priest so upset? Because here's what happened. Jesus, in what he said there, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of man. That is a direct quote from Daniel chapter 7 that says, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and brought uh, him near before him. He directly quoted from Daniel 7 and the priest lost his mind. Caiaphas loses it. He tears his clothing. Again, that's probably not popular in you know circles. That would make the news. But that, again, breaking one of the laws of, of touching the clothing that he's wearing as high priest. Um, and then he's, what further need do we have of witnesses uh, to hear his testimony? Uh, and Jesus being quiet, let me tell you this once, Jesus being quiet is just fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. But he's also fulfilling the law that says, let your works testify of you. Basically, don't brag on yourself. Let your works of good testify of you as we're supposed to do as Christians, right? But it's old, old covenant law that states, let your works testify of your goodness. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's like, what works are you going to kill me for? I've done uh, how many healings? Lazarus was the nail in the coffin for Jesus. Once he raised Lazarus from the dead, I mean, it was just bonkers after that. Now he's standing here and the high priest is freaking out. He says, what do you think? Again, the high priest speaking. They answered and said, he is deserving of death. But here's the problem. The Romans have taken the power of, of uh, killing people away from the Jewish council because they've been stoning people all day, right? And uh, he is, um, uh, he's like, he's deserving of death. Then verse 67 it starts, right? Then they spat in his face and beat him. Others struck him with the palms of their hands saying, prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Again, they have to kill Jesus. That's their goal. We read in John and they're trying to pin blasphemy on him and they have to, um, Jesus is saying, I have come to fulfill the Daniel seven prophecy, which is testifying of, uh, the son of man coming in the clouds. And um, they have to crucify the one who does the works of the Messiah. 
And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to kill him. They've selected him, and he is the one. So here's my question. Why can't they stone him like uh, Stephen, with the woman caught in adultery in the book, you know, in the book of Acts, in chapter 7 or so, where Stephen is stoned? Why can't they just stone him? Uh, because they have to prove that he was a lawbreaker, especially after Lazarus. And uh, they took counsel to kill him. Okay, They took counsel to try to get him killed. They're, they're freaking out. There's just this dude is stirring up trouble. And, you know, it's just like um, Jesus is claiming he's anointed of God and the son of man and the son of God. And, you know, uh, same way today, people, you say you're anointed and they want to kill you. So chapter 27, uh, we see uh, Peter, well, before chapter uh, 27, Peter denies Jesus. We got that whole story. Uh, been through that, for, uh, chapter 27, verse 1. Then morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus uh, to put him to death. And when they had bound him, led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Now he had to go to the governor because, like I said, they took away uh, capital punishment from the Jewish councils. They weren't allowed to do that anymore. So now they have to send him to, to Pontius Pilate to get the axe, right? And remember... That the Jewish council is is already condemned him. They said, what more witnesses do we need? He, you know, they're done, right? They just need to get this done. Verse 2, he says, and then they had bound him and led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate. Then Judas comes, right? We've known Judas's story since uh, the, the upper room. His betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, this is so critical, these two verses right here was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. This is so important, you guys. Today, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. That's important. Innocent blood. Even Judas knows he's innocent. And they said, what is that to us? See to it. Okay. And then he threw down the pieces in the temple and departed and, and went and died by suicide. Uh, but listen to how important that phrase, innocent blood, is. It's a commandment, okay? And the old, you know, the Ten Commandments, uh, thou shall not murder. Well, it's literally, thou shall not uh, shed innocent blood, okay? You, sh you know, thou shall not commit murder is literally, thou shall not commit uh, or shed innocent blood. If you do... According to the law, Jewish law, uh, that blood is on your hands and on, and on the hands of your children. And Judas specifically says innocent blood. So here's Judas changing his mind. Jesus isn't dead yet. He can still fix this. But the high priests deny. He said Judas uh, says specifically offered up innocent blood. Right. And, and they said of essentially the high priest said it's not our deal. We know he's innocent and we don't care. Essentially is what they say. They said, what is that to us? We don't care. We know he's innocent. We're just trying to get this done quietly. And of course, because of Jesus' popularity, I mean, there's a lot going on, right? And there's a lot of people following. He says, uh, go see to it, right? So, According to Jewish law, the atonement meant the sacrifice had to be examined, no blemish. Of course, Jesus was sinless, had to be spotless, and had to be innocent. 
right? That's why they shed, in, that's why they use animals who are innocent of anything after the garden to do, to make atonement. Atonement was uh, an innocent animal that was spotless, that was perfect, okay? And we see all through the Old Testament where Israel and Malachi specifically would use, you know, messed up one-eyed goats and things for the sacrifice and God wouldn't atone their sins. And it was a, and then they would go into, uh, you know, they would get conquered by somebody and be taken into captivity. So the council does that right here. They declare Jesus innocent, but he still has to go to Rome because like I said earlier, if Jesus is declared innocent by the Jews only, then salvation's only available to the Jewish people. Okay, and we all know that didn't happen. So look at verse, uh, drop down to verse 11. And Jesus is standing before Pilate now, right? Remember, he's bound, he's been punched and spit on and all this stuff. And he stood before the governor and the governor asked him saying, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, it is as you say. Okay, so here's, here. Pilate doesn't care about Jewish you know, law, doesn't care what the council says. Pilate's concerned that Jesus is declaring himself as a king. That's a problem for him. He doesn't want any other kings hanging out, getting up in his kingdom. He's like, are you the king of the Jews? We don't need any more kings. Had to be careful around the, the Romans. And Jesus says, it is as you say. While he was being accused by the chief priests and elders and answered nothing. Again, supernaturally quiet. Okay, then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word so that the governor marveled greatly, supernaturally quiet. Isn't that amazing? Supernaturally quiet. Okay, um, drop down to verse 22. We see uh, the Barabbas situation begins where Pilate's like, you know, what am I going to do here? We release somebody every year to you. Um, and, and verse 17, back up to verse 17. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? Notice everybody's calling him the Christ. Yet they're accusing him of calling himself that, but everybody's using that word, Christ. I mean, it's they're calling him the Christ. And then he first, uh, verse 18, he says, he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. That's Pilate talking to the Jewish council going, you guys, you guys are just jealous because he's doing the acts of God and you're just sitting over here playing religious church. Amen. <laughs> Drop down to verse 22. He says, Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus called the Christ? There it is again. I keep calling him the Messiah. And they all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why, what evil has he done? Uh-oh. So here's Pilate, the Roman guard, declaring him innocent. Uh, they cried all the more, saying, let him be crucified. That's amazing. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, you see to it. That word, um, literally, just innocent man. Pilate's declaring Jesus innocent as a Gentile, right? The, the Jewish 
Council has declared him innocent. This opens up salvation for Jews and Gentiles alike to be saved. Okay, that's why the trial of Jesus was so. Uh, uh, was that's why uh, what the trial of the Savior was all about? It was about saving everybody. That's why John three sixteen can say the world, everybody, right? Uh, three of the four, and then from there, um, three of the four gospels say scourged him. He was sent to be scourged. Another says chastised. Uh, the details of the beatings are not really in the gospels uh, so much so, but um, Eusebius, who is a first century uh, historian, writes about those, and, and he, he talks about the scourging of the martyrs. And he said that uh, if you saw the passion, you saw the scourging scene, which is absolutely just rips your heart right out of your body. I'm telling you right now, it's devastating. Can't do it with a dry eye. I'm just a man saying that I'm a weak man. Loves <laughs> his savior. All right. So Eusebius says about the scourging of the martyrs, uh, he was tied to a block or a post. And you see this in the passion. But instead of being pulled over this way, their hands were tied behind them and the post was about um, waist high. So their hands are behind them and their back is exposed, their front's exposed. And, and it was, they used this uh, cat of nine tails, which is basically a stick uh, with straps off the end of it. And they would have um, rock and bones and pottery in there. They would have lead balls in there that would come flying around you know the velocity that a thing would get and it would completely rip your skin off uh it would tear your muscles uh your tendons exposed uh one one uh um, writer talks about how their bowels would be hanging out of their body uh it was execution of the worst kind and the romans they were really good at it they were good at executing people they had multiple ways but usually uh, scourging and crucifixion were the worst. They were saved for people who declared themselves as a king, right? If they conquered a country and the king was walked through the city and uh, if they didn't give them the, the cup of judgment, like we talked about last week, um, they would scourge, scourge and, and crucify these guys. That's the worst of the worst of the worst. And not everybody went through it, but just the, the worst of the worst, like the two thieves on the sides of Jesus we'll talk about next week who weren't, they were just crucified. And uh, generally, if Jesus went through this and it was as bad as the Bible tells us in the prophecies about it, uh, it was terrible. And I would say that Jesus' silence intensified the scourging um, and the way they did it. Like I said, they had this post and then it was uphill. It was kind of up on a grade coming down. And in that grade, they would cut channels. And, and in those channels, the blood would flow off that off the, the post because of the beatings were so, so, so atrocious that many people died right there at the post. They didn't make it through. And, um, uh, and like I said, in the Passion, that scene in there is uh, probably the hardest thing to watch I've ever seen, uh, with the exception of My Sister's Keeper. Uh, oh, it was just terrible, right? So it was it was a terrible experience, and um, uh, Jesus said that they would they, they 
it was just one of those things that uh, nobody could live through, but yet our Savior did. Okay. Now back in Luke 18, remember it says that all things are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. Okay. Uh, let me read Isaiah 53 verse 5 because that's probably the biggest uh, prophecy. It says uh, verse 3. Uh, sorry, or, uh, verse 5, he says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Um, the chastisement for our peace. Right? He went through this for our peace. Shalom, uh, peace was upon him. And by his stripes, uh, we are healed. Okay, I want you to pay attention here because we're going to look at 1 Peter 2.24 which is essentially the, the New Testament commentary on Isaiah 53. And, and Peter says, who he himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree. Jesus, remember, in the garden began to take on sin. And, and even through the trial, uh, Jesus is, uh, I can't even explain that he doesn't feel good because it's, it started in the garden. He began to take on the sin of the world. And here he is, uh, uh, take, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we, say we, uh, having died to sins, right? We're born again people. That's why it's so important to be born again. I said last week that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the only way to the Father is having somebody substitute you in for you to take the sacrifice for you. And that's part of um, these sins on his own body on the tree that we having died to sins, having given it up, having been born again, having a new spirit might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were. Say were. Say I were healed. That's terrible English. How dare you? But anyway, he says you were healed. Notice that it goes from, from present to past tense. Right? We were healed. If that doesn't expand your faith for healing, which we all need, uh, you know, read it and confess it every single day. I want to talk about that word healed in there. Right? It's the same word that's used 28 times in the New Testament for physical healing. It's not spiritual healing. Can't be. Otherwise, the atonement of sin is, is all messed up. Right? He said the healing, that word healed in the Greek, uh, is the same word used 28 times in the New Testament for physical healing. Okay, when Jesus did physical healings, that's the Greek word that was used. Leper, whoever, right? Uh, and, and the Greek Septuagint, which is the Old Testament written in Greek, the exact same word for healed is used in Isaiah 53. That's how we can sit here and we can lay hands on the sick and expect delivery were healed that's how we have the faith to believe that god still heals right it refers to physical healing taking the stripes was to pay for the penalty of sickness now that word bruise okay in isaiah 53 he was bruised for our iniquities that's one it's a singular word bruise one continuous bruise meaning that Jesus, during the scourging that he paid for our righteousness, was one big, giant bruise. His skin was probably torn off. I mean, uh, the um, 
The Passion does a good job of showing uh, what happened during the scourging and uh, chastising, but I believe it was probably far worse than that. He was unrecognizable. Uh, what says in one place in the prophecy in the Bible, um, he, he, you know, it, it took so much out of him at the scourging that Romans like to take more out of criminals declaring to be a king at the block, the scourging block, so that they wouldn't last long in the cross. The last thing anybody wanted to do was hang out and wait for somebody to die on a cross. And sometimes it took days, depending on, you know, how bad it was or if they were scourged at all, right? So why did all this have to happen? We see healing, we see wholeness, we see by the stripes of Jesus, we were, we were, it's over, it's done, it's faith, it's finished, right? Why did all this have to happen? Well, no redemption is, is going to happen without blood being spilled, right? Jesus left blood in the garden. He, he sweat great drops of blood. We see here that Jesus left gallons of blood at the scourging block, right? In Hebrews 9 and verse 12, it says this, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. It was Jesus' blood. He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal, say eternal, eternal redemption. This isn't just a thing that we get to do on Sundays, people. This is eternal work that's happening. Why? Why would Jesus go through all of this? Why would he do all of this? Because Adam and Eve fell in the garden and it was atonement, covering of sin through the whole Old Testament, right? Through the whole Old Testament, it was just covering. I'm going to cover up these sins. I'm going to turn my face from them. He says, but then in Hebrews 12 or Hebrews 9, he says, once for all, having obtained eternal attention, he entered with his own blood. Why? Because of this verse two in Hebrews 12, we read this last week. He says, looking unto Jesus, we have to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith for who, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising shame he sat down at the right hand of the throne of god when it was all over we'll see that on easter sunday right consider him who who endured such hostile hostility of sinners um, against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls look what jesus that's why we're teaching the series look what he did for you and me and all of humanity even the worst of the worst he was did this for them. And he says in verse four, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Put it down, man, put it down. We can give you a chance right now to get into this eternal redemption. It's an easy process. It's a simple prayer. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Just empty your mind of everything you got to do and everything going on and just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I give my heart to you. By your blood, I am saved. I am healed. I am delivered. I am set free. In the name of Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. That's it. You have obtained 
eternal redemption. You have now allowed Jesus to be your sacrifice for your sin so that you can have eternal redemption with God. Congratulations. Thank you for watching today. God bless you. The Lord keep you and go be great. We love you guys. We'll see you at prayer tonight and every night leading all the way up to Easter. Don't forget, get that Church Center app on your phone so you get notices about what's going on. Because if you're a part of the Bridge Church family, you're going to want to know what's happening on Easter Sunday. Okay? Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you next week for Jesus on the Cross. God bless you. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969. We're looking forward to seeing you soon.